The Gospel for today is from the book of Mark, chapter 5, verses 21 through 43. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him, and he was by the sea. Then one of the leaders of the synagogue, named Jairus, came, and when he saw him, fell at his feet and begged him repeatedly, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, so that she may be made well and live. So he went with him. And a large crowd followed him and pressed in on him. Now there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for twelve years. She had endured much under many physicians and had spent all that she had, and she was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak, for she said, If I but touch his clothes, I will be made well. Immediately her hemorrhage stopped, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Immediately aware that power had gone forth from him, Jesus turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing in on you. How can you say, Who touched me? He looked all around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, fell down before him and told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, some people came from the leader's house to say, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the leader of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. He allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, and the brother of James. When they came to the house of the leader of the synagogue, he saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. When he had entered, he said to them, Why do you make a commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. Then he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha come, which means, little girl, get up. And immediately the girl got up and began to walk about. She was 12 years of age. At this, they were overcome with amazement. He strictly ordered them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Dear friends in Christ, grace and peace to you from God, our Creator, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. What does healing look like to you? What images or stories or experiences or prayers come to mind when you hear that word? Does it bring peace or comfort? Maybe remembering a time when you or someone you loved experience, experienced healing in one way or another? Does it bring anxiety or hurt or even grief? because not everything gets healed the way we want. I ask, of course, because of the stories we are hearing today from the Gospel of Mark. Two stories, two healings woven together, happening almost at the same time, different stories with some interesting connections. It starts when Jesus is on his way to the home of a young girl who's very ill, whose father has come to beg Jesus for help. 
when Jesus is touched by a woman who has been suffering from hemorrhaging, from bleeding for 12 years. While Jesus stops to talk with this woman, the girl dies, and word reaches Jesus that it's too late. But Jesus simply, simply keeps going until he gets to the house and her family, and finally the girl's room. Keeps going until he takes her by the hand and tells her to get up, and she does. Two different stories intertwined together, two lives restored and changed. Two healings. Healing stories in the Bible are always tricky because there's no way to live a human life without running into experiences that go the opposite direction. Barbara Brown Taylor puts it this way. She says, the problem with miracles is that it's hard to witness them without wanting one of your own. Every one of us knows someone who is suffering. Every one of us knows someone who could use a miracle, including ourselves, but they are hard to come by. Not everyone who prays for one gets one, not by a long shot. And meanwhile, there are people who get them without asking for them at all. Added to those long-standing complications is the new reality of reading these stories in the midst of a global pandemic. Healing has been on our minds for a while. Some of us know someone who died of COVID-19. Some of us know people who are living with its long-term and ever-changing effects that may permanently alter the course of their lives. Some are still living with the very present fear of the variants that get stronger and worse as we wait for the vaccines to be available for the children we love. All of us know, to varying degrees, what it's like to be profoundly isolated because of an illness we cannot control. For very good reasons, our eyes and ears tend to go straight for the punchline of these stories, straight for the very best and most extraordinary moments in them. That is, the instant a woman who has been struggling for 12 years with a debilitating illness feels the life rush back into her body after just touching the hem of Jesus' robe, and the gasp in the room as a 12-year-old sits up from her deathbed. You can't read those without feeling your heart leap for joy and hope, imagining those moments, even if at least some of us also feel a dart of jealousy that we are a little embarrassed to admit out loud. But look, we say to ourselves as we read this gospel, look at what God can do. Look at what's possible. See how God can heal when everything seems lost. See how God can heal. I do think that's what these stories are telling us. I also wonder if God's healing in these stories might be even bigger than those two beautiful moments of cure. So remember that first question, what does healing look like to you? Well, let's ask it of the story. What does healing look like in Mark's gospel? Can we dig in a little more and look for something that goes beyond the two cures? Can we see God at work to heal the wider community and maybe even us 
as these stories unfold. Well, here are a few things I notice. This story delves into the deepest fear of any parent, that something will happen to your child, something you can't control, something that leaves you standing at your child's grave instead of the other way around. You cannot love a child without carrying that anxiety around someplace in you. And it does not have to be a child you are raising yourself. If you love a child, a niece, a nephew, a neighbor, or a friend, then you know how desperate Jairus was to save his daughter. What we know about Jairus, the little we do, is that he's a leader in his community. He's a religious leader. So you have to assume that he was consulted by others as a, an expert of sorts on the will of God and the presence of God and the rituals that bring us into connection with the holy. Perhaps he has spent hours of his life studying the stories of God's faithfulness and the people's struggles. Hours learning the laws of purity and holiness that would help his community in disciplines of faith and prayer. But in this story, he is first and foremost a parent, stripped bare of expertise and tradition, comes to Jesus and drops on his knees in the dust, begging him, an itinerant rabbi with no formal qualifications, to help. Help. I need help. I can't do this on my own. In spite of all the credits on my account and the long list of qualifications I have built, I, Jairus, am asking for help. That right there is a sort of miracle. And that right there might be healing. We live in a world where it's hard to ask for help, where independence and fortitude and strength are valued and where we are often expected to bear more than any person should. We learn to expect that of ourselves. We don't want to be a burden on others. We should be able to do it. Others have it worse. How hard can it be? But if these stories are full of healings, then one of them might be this, that Jairus asks for help, admits his vulnerability, doesn't give a second thought to the robes he is wearing or the reputation in his community when he just throws himself on the ground in front of Jesus and says, help. Might we need that kind of healing? Do you ever struggle to ask for help? Maybe the healing of Jairus is the story for you today. Now Jesus is on his way to Jairus' house when he realizes that someone has touched his robe and something has happened. How all this works, I cannot pretend to understand, but in the midst of a crowd pressing on him at every turn, Jesus feels power leave him. And he turns to find a woman who, just like Jairus, falls down at his feet and tells him the truth, that she touched his robes and now she's healed. Among the other things, certainly including the emotional and physical exhaustion this woman must have experienced over such a long time, it's possible that her bleeding kept her at a distance from her community. That she couldn't reliably participate in the purity rituals most women went through every month. 
and so she couldn't be fully welcomed into the worship life she might have desired. So yes, when she touches Jesus' hem, she is cured, but she's also healed of isolation and loneliness and any shame that she might have carried. She's restored to a life she probably thought was gone forever. She is suddenly able to be in a group of people. If we ever thought that wasn't a big deal, this year has almost certainly taught us otherwise. And not only is she healed of her isolation, but her community is healed of her absence. And along the way, Jesus is reordering everyone's priorities because he doesn't turn to this woman and say, I'm sorry, I'm on the way to the house of someone more important than you. Nor does he feel what has happened and ignore it, figuring the person who touched him was just one in a faceless crowd. Who matters? Who is seen and valued? Who's at the center? As we make our way haltingly and imperfectly back into life together, this story holds up for us the healing of two people who are on the edges of the world at the time. A young girl and a woman with a pre-existing condition. And for Jesus, they come first, not last. He simply will not let the world go on without them. So that first question, what does healing look like to you? I invite you to really think about this this week. You know, maybe pause here and jot down some notes or turn to someone else in the room with you and talk about it for a while. Where do you see healing in the world? Where do you see the need for healing? How does it heal when we ask for help? How does it heal when communities truly include and are centered on the people at the edges? So keep your eyes open in your ears, your heart. Listen for someone to say help or the moment you say that yourself. Watch for those at the edges still waiting while the world appears to march on. See where the healing of God is coming to find you and bring you back to life. What will it look like? Won't it be a miracle when we find out together? Amen.